the topic we've been discussing for the past weeks. So please, if you have questions, I would rather that you write your questions. And then the, if, you, if you want to write, you write. If you want to be given an opportunity to speak, I will need that microphones. If you've written down your questions, you feel that the microphone is too big for you to hold, you can write down the question, and then we'll read them together. Hallelujah. And then, of course, we'll try to answer them. The pastors are here. We'll try to see how we can do justice to these questions. Hallelujah. But then, I just want to take us on a recap of what we've been doing for the past weeks. First of all, it wasn't uh, the issue of marriage or relationship is, as we always know, is a very, very big topic, right? And by the grace of God, our pastor was able to lead us through what you should know before you get married. This is very fundamental. Amen? This is basic. And I believe so much that if you are able to take this information that God is able to reveal to us in the course of this week, I believe that this knowledge is enough to sustain a home. Are we together? I so much believe that this knowledge we have, we've acquired, this information that God has revealed unto us. We have no excuse right now. Anybody that has followed through this teaching, even if it's one session you had, if you're in this church, you don't have a reason to fail in marriage. Hallelujah. You don't have any reason at all to fail in marriage. So we're talking about, because most times, the reason why many people fail is because they don't prepare. It's lack of preparation that gives birth to failure in many, many occasions. Hallelujah. So people spend so much time thinking about their wedding and they forget about the marriage, which is very, very important. So by the grace of God, we're able to look at what we should know before we get married. This is very important for as many of us here, 99% of us here are not married. So the information is very, very important for us. And even for the remaining 1% that are married amongst us, is still an important information for us to apply in our individual lives. Hallelujah. So we began by what? By enumerating the outline. We looked at the foundation of marital problems. We look at why marriage is, or why marriage has been instituted. Some attributes required for success in marriage. And then we also looked at the model of what? Of Christian marriage. Marriage, hallelujah. So this is actually how, what the things we, we covered so far in the course of these weeks. So I'm just going to have a recap to remind us again so that we know the kind of questions we are, we are, we are we'll ask. If we ask a question out of context, I'm going to lovingly receive your question, but I think we'll answer those that pertain to where we are right now first. Okay? So we said we tried to look at what marital rather foundation of marital problems, what uh, are the what is the basic foundation to which we have problems in marriages? And then I remember him teaching us from this slide, you know, highlighting to us issues, the groups of problems that will be seen in marriages. You know, some of them are faith issues, some of them could be money issues, sex issues, Children issues, relationship and communication issues. So these are the different groups I remember him vividly, you know, telling us or teaching us concerning marital problems. So we we agreed that these are just but the fruits, right? I remember so much that we said that this is not actually the foundation. This is actually the fruit of what we see. If you go to a tree, that is not the foundation of a, the foundation of a tree. It's not the fruit, but this is what we see in marriages and we try to address these issues but then we still see that the problems are still there. There was a conclusion on the, what the problems, the foundation of these problems are and I remember him telling us that the foundation of marital problem is what? Is sin. Amen? He concluded by teaching us that what? That the problem is what? Is sin and until you have dealt with sin you have not dealt with the problems of, of marriage. Okay? Now, the problems we see today in marriages are actually what? A reflection of the problems we have in their Christian life. So, we established that 
the foundation of marital marital problems is what is sin. And once someone has not dealt with the issue of sin in his life, it becomes practically impossible for him not to have problem in his in his in his marriage. Victory in marital life is not different from victory in Christian life. Amen. When you live a victorious Christian life, you will live a victorious Christian marriage. Marital decisions are part of Christian life decision. The Christian marriage is not separate from the Christian life. Hallelujah. So we agreed, or he taught us rather, about the very essence of the foundation of the problems we see in marriages. And we all know and we all come to a conclusion that sin is what? Is a foundation. And I could hear in my in my in my in my mind or in my heart, somebody asked you, okay, what about unbelievers that marry and then they seem to have beautiful marriages? They don't even believe in Jesus Christ, but they have, you know, beautiful homes. Well, we are talking about a marriage that will fulfill the purpose of God. Amen. We are talking about a Christian marriage. We are talking about a marriage to which can execute the will and the counsel of God. Hallelujah. So this is the foundation of the problem that we can see in such kind of marriages. If this issue of sin is not what? It's not dealt with. So we went on to look at what? Why marriage was instituted. And we mentioned some certain things as the reason for the institution of marriage. Love and communion. What about these two? Procreation, sex, God's service are the stewards of God's creation. That is to execute the will and the counsel of God, right? These were the four things that we all agreed, or we taught rather, are the purpose for the institution of what? Of marriage. And then it was concluded that what? The definition of what marriage is. A union on an, or, or an institution for which consenting adults who have love for each other and are willing to have sex together, give birth to children for God, and to team up to God's work. Hallelujah. So this was a very simple but very comprehensive definition of what marriage was taught to us in this, in this church. Amen. So we went on to look at what? Some attributes required for success in marriage. Some attributes that is required for what? For success. In what? In marriage. And I remember him. Making highlight on this matter of we coming as a servant. A servanthood kind of a mentality is an attribute that is needed for success in marriage, right? So before you get married, get your priorities right. In order to, in other words, marriage involves serving your spouse as you serve the Lord. Serving your spouse is part of God's service but not in first place in the order of priority. That is, God first before what? Yes. So you must gainfully engage, be engaged, and also be productive. One of the attributes that is needed for success in marriage, you must be what? Productive with your life. Are we together? Good. And then he made mention of what? Discretion as one of the attributes needed for success in marriage. Is a quality or virtue of which of being careful and prudent or wise in one's speech or action, especially to avoid revealing confidential information or causing an offense. Okay? And then I remember this very, very clearly. He made mention, he says, discretion is what? Is a function of, men, of maturity. So if you want to know whether you are mature, it's your ability to be discreet. It's, it's, it's one of the accurate measures of maturity. So maturity is not by having beards or your voice change into a deep voice or having big chest you know, and then you think you are a man and then that's not what makes you mature. Maturity is not even by just age but it's on how you are able to manage information and also you know, how you are able to communicate the information that you have. If your life is always online you are not ready for marriage. I remember he said this very well. And then he also mentioned that marriage is not a theater. It's not an affair for public what? consumption, right? Living in a marriage 
Marriage involves emotions, but don't be emotional in making the decisions. Don't be married of don't be married because of just romantic feelings. Pity, desperation, revenge to punish women or men because of what others do to, did to you. To show that is to make a point or to prove a point. Or to compete or to rebound. All these were the things that he communicated very, very clearly to us. And then I think I will remove this. Yes. So he went on to talk about a model for what? For Christian marriage. Amen. And what did he say was a model? Amen. What did he say was the model? Or what does the Bible say is the model for Christian marriage? Christ what? And the church. The relationship that exists between Christ and what? And the church is the model for what? Not just marriage. Specifically Christian marriage. Amen? Because there are some marriages that are model. I believe they got it somewhere else. And it's not Christian marriage. Are we together? But as a believer, we have a model. And the model is what? Is Christ and the church. Christ, the head of the church, the model for husband's headship. And then we read this scripture. And we try to look at what submission is, right? And many other details. I don't want to, you know, go back to those details. But this is a submission of the woman is a fruit of product. Is a fruit or the product of what? The Holy Spirit work. Spirit's work, rather. The same is true for the man's headship. Right? So these were some of the things that he shared with us, that every man with the Spirit of God can love. Hallelujah. Every man with the Spirit of God can what? Can love. In fact, not only can, but should love. The potential is there, right, to love, because the Spirit of God is in you. Then you are expected to love. Hallelujah. So with this recap, taking us through the journey so far, to just pick up some key, key things that I think is needed. What questions do we have? Amen. The floor is open. It's not, I'm not going to be teaching today. I'm not going to be preaching today. But I'm here to receive questions. So I want it to be as interactive as possible. Last week I said, don't ask stupid questions. But ask very constructive questions that will aid at you, you know, being helped. Hallelujah. And then let me give a disclaimer. Don't give us a scenario question. You know what a scenario question is? Assuming that, for example, no. What we want, what I want to hear is questions that you need solution for. We don't, if you need, if you want to assume, then you're not here for assumption. Because somebody can try to give us an assumption because you just want to, you know, want to speak English. <laughs> so please, if you have your question, please, you can indicate by the reason of your hand or you can write it down in the paper and pass it on to me. I believe someone told me that he has a question. Okay, yours is here. Okay. So please, just... Give it to the usher, and then usher can give it to Pastor Kola, and the Kola can sort them out for me. Right? So the pastors will be here. Pastor Victor is here. Pastor Chidi is here. Pastor Ima, I would prefer that you be closer here. I know what the Lord has joined together. No one should what? Yes. I'm not separating you, but you're still inside the church. Yes. Amen. So I'll just prepare for closeness here for the microphones to move around for the answers so that we'll not be moving up and down for the answers here. So the pastors will help us. And if there are people that have contribution from the congregation also, you know, we'll try to, to also throw the, the question around. And if, please, if you want to answer, if you have a question, please, after the one I'm going to read now, I'm going to give chance for people that want to say their questions by themselves, not reading it through a paper. Hallelujah. This one says that the love of God has been shared abroad in our hearts. That is, we are to love the brothers and sisters. So how do you know when you have the love in bracket for marriage for someone? 
Huh? Let me read it again. The love of God has been shed abroad our hearts. That is, we are to love the brothers and sisters. I think I read the last, what, that last line. I said, everybody that has the spirit of God has the capacity to love, right? So, that is paraphrasing that statement. So, how do you know when you have the love for marriage for someone? How do you know? I think this person could be talking about romantic love, I think. Right? If I'm not mistaken. <laughs> so, Pastor Victor will begin with you because yeah, we'll start with you. And if there's any other reply, yes, quickly please, let's save time. Well, I'll try to understand the question very well so that I will answer the, the, okay. will answer the question. Yes, maybe you can look at it. But the, the, just like we said in the, in the beginning of the teachings, I enumerated all the four types of love we have, and I said it's only within the Christian home you find all the four actually active. You understand? Of course, other ones don't have the love of God. But once you begin to reach poverty, there is a natural affection and attraction toward opposite sex, except you are a liar or you have health, or issues. You have health issues. Yes. So, but you don't have these two there will be natural, it's not sinful, the desires are there. So, and as we keep growing, you understand, actually, I, I don't know what he mean by love for marriage because it's, it's beyond just a romantic feeling. Because your love also means, I mean, love for marriage means I'm willing, not just I'm attracted to you sexually, but also there are a lot of attributes I feel drawn towards you. You understand what I'm saying? Mm. Uh -huh. Because, of course, are we not tempted? Hello? Hi. We are tempted, but you don't want to stay with them now as married, right? Mm -hmm. So that cannot be love for marriage. If I understand this person, I'm trying to struggle to understand the person very well. You understand? So I don't know, maybe other pastors will say, but what I can say here is that as you, any person that grows, a matured person, understand? You begin to feel drawn towards uh, people but it's beyond, yes sir, if you can help me, please. Yes, but I would say I would say love for marriage is a decision. There's no there's no way we can know this is the love for marriage. Love is love. God wants us to love every sister as a brother. As We should love the sisters. The Bible says we should deal with them in purity like our own sister. So out of the many sisters I'm dealing with in purity, I make a decision because of one or two other reasons. Maybe because I think uh, this person, I mean, in fact, as a matter of fact, because we are in church, it's even possible to have five, six, seven sisters who are serving the Lord very well, who are from very godly home, who are doing all this. So you have to make a decision. You cannot marry five people. You, you say, okay, out of these five people, I'm deciding for this one person. So I don't believe that. Uh, okay, so the person is asking, how do we now know the love for marriage? The only way to know the love for marriage is when you now decide to go with that person. So with that person now, you've made the decision for love for marriage. And then you start building on that. Amen. Uh, Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes. Uh, I, I, I just saw some brothers smiling. Daniel. <laughs> brother Daniel. How many sisters in church have you seen? <laughs> My brother is, is innocent. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. All right, so I think when Pastor Victor was going through Ephesians 5, he started pointing us towards the difference between the love that says we should submit ourselves more. I think Ephesians 5 verse, before he started talking, up, before he started talking about marriage, right? He was talking about, um, sorry, where can I see that? Um, submitting, all right, submitting yourselves one another Submitting yourself one to another in the fear of God, right? That was the last thing. Now, when he started talking about teaching about the love of marriage, he came to verse 20, 
28. It says, So men ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Right? He that loved his wife loved himself. So the moment you begin to make that decision, right, you think this person is someone I can love as my own body, right? You can give your body to, in terms of uh, serving, right, in marriage, in the context of marriage, right? So you love the person, you see this person that is someone you can serve in terms of uh, marriage, serving the person in marriage, taking the person as your own self, not being separable, right? So that is the point at which you can, you know, begin to see, okay, someone you can work together with, right? So it's a decision that you make to love the person as your own body, right? So that is where marriage love is quite very, very distinct, like as your own body, just like the scripture says. So it's a decision you make, and the moment you make that decision to be inseparable from that person, that is when I will say that you have the love in you. I think the mic should be there too. Hello. Hi. Hi. Yeah. Um, my addition is in reference to what Mr. K said. And it's this. Yes. Okay. And it's this. Um, yes, it is a decision one, but. Marriage also comes with responsibilities, right? Responsibilities of taking care of one another, um, basic needs, clothing, food, shelter, right? Yeah. And then you have kids that you also have to take care of, okay? So the love of God is first and paramount, but then the choice to make that decision comes from meeting or being with someone that you know can actually fulfill these things, okay? He can do it for himself or herself, and then he can be able to also cater for a family, not just making a decision of love because love is definitely not going to be enough. You can love someone, but if they can't provide for a family, you guys are going to starve. So, Okay, okay. Uh, thank you for that contribution. How do you stop having children in marriage? This person has wait, passed the... Like wait, wait. <laughs> Pastor I be reading this question before giving me... Okay. I'm coming, sir. Yeah. Um, I, I think I've heard this phrase over and over. You know, when we are talking in the context of believers, sorry, you know, there is a way I'm a bit careful when we are talking about love, love, especially in the context of believers. You know, when we say statement like, love is not enough, within the context of believers, I think we have to be careful. Are we together? Everything. So, because you can, love is enough. If we are talking about another kind of love outside the context of believers, then we know what we are talking about. Mm. But as long as we are within the context of believers and we are talking about love, the foundation before any other love is Christ's love in us. Mm. And that is a foundation of marriage and the foundation of relationship. That's why that statement made a decision. Remember we said this love is not end. When you are choosing to stay with a person, you are not saying until she does this I will do this. No. That is not the kind of love in marriage. Are we together? Mm. So when you are making decision to marry, know that you are making decision that the person didn't earn it. You decided to give to the person. And that is your own choice. Just the same way God chose to lavish his love, love upon us. And the devil cannot do anything about it. And that's why nobody should care how I can lavish my love mm. upon others. Are we together? So it's very important we are, we, we, the terminology we use, especially when we are around as believers. Thank you. Just Amen. like he said. There are questions that you just use wisdom and use expert. This is not a question that you ask. You know, it's just like, and I want us to take this advantage to ask questions that a pastor can give you. I mean, you can benefit from a pastor. Are we together? Mm. It's just like you see a professor of English. Then you are asking him something about biochemistry. You know, you are not going to get anything from him. Are we together? So, as you ask questions, ask questions that you know that 
a pastor can a pastor is not an expert in everything. So, and the issue of of even pastor when it comes to family planning, he seeks for advice among experts because he's wise and intelligent and he knows that he cannot just give it, keep giving birth to children to 20. You understand? So he uses his sense and look for expert to give him counsel. So please, I am not a doctor. I don't know whether he might be a doctor. <laughs> Even if I'm a doctor, I'm not a medical doctor. All right. Now, I, one of the things I'm trying to do, right, is to understand where you're coming from when you ask your questions. And that is what I'm getting. Now, the first person that asks the question of when do you know that the love of marriage has come? It's asking about when do I start the attraction, the, you know, the euphoria and the whole gym gym. When do I know? That's what you are, you are trying to know how that thing comes. And is that a sign? Is that a sign? That's your question. So you need to be careful when you have those um, hormones and those stuffs running all around your body. You need to call for people to counsel you and talk to you. So I'm putting that aside. The second one of vasectomy is about actually promiscuity. So if you if you if you close the guy's side, right? If you close the guy's side, maybe the woman has the opportunity to still have children or have sex. Or if you close the woman's side, the guy has the opportunity. Whatever decision you make, let it be out of love. Do you get the point? Whatever decision, whether it's the wife or the husband, whatever decision, whatever wisdom any doctor gives you, any medical doctor, whatever wisdom. Because it looks like if you close the guy, it's a detriment to the wife, right? It's an, uh, if you close the, the, the guys, I don't know what they call it, you know, I've not studied this thing, but it's like you have demeaned the guy. If you close the woman's side, it's like she's now at a disadvantage. No, both of you are one. Whatever you do in that situation, you're doing it to the both of you. Right? It means that whatever decision you make. So let everything spring out of love. And that gives you a happy home. Because that's where those questions come from on a secular basis. Right. Amen. I, I so much believe that there's no there's no vasectomy in the scriptures. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, um, please, sir. Please, sir. I, it doesn't have to be vasectomy. And it doesn't have to be the tying of the tube. I think what what is important is we need to know what is safe. Now, the, the truth is we know that we cannot be giving back to 17 children. So if you've given back to the number of children you want, it's only good that you go and meet the professionals. Now, we allow, we encourage people to take drugs when they are sick because we are not against drug. Because science and technology are, are God's creation. We discover them and then we use them. You understand? So if the child bearing is enough for the family, it is good to look for what is safe, what is safe, because that is very important. Don't use pills for the woman that is going to affect her in the old age. Don't use tube for the person and that the, some of the tubes they use, they affect the body. So you need to know what is safe. That's the most important thing. But then is family planning important? Yes, it's very important, but it doesn't have to be vasectomy. Neither does it have to be the tube thing. Just use what is safe. That's all. But the pastors will be taking each question and if you have contribution now, Pastor Chidi, this one is directly to you. How do you set healthy boundaries for in-laws so that it won't seem disrespectful or dishonoring? Some have some, some in-laws have wrecked their children's marriage. That's what they say. Okay. Uh, I think I, when you say in-laws, I, I think I remember a chapter of a book that's in-laws and outlaws. <laughs> in-laws and outlaws. I, I think the I think the auto the auto was I think you 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 whether you like it or not your your in-laws are the ones you're stuck with, right? You don't you don't go out selecting the in-laws or you say okay these ones are good let's keep them these ones are bad. So I think what 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 is required to deal with your in-laws is wisdom, right? And there's no it's not cast on stone how to manage in-laws because every one you you learn. You learn so so just having to understand the ones that God has given you. Once you figure when you figure that out, I think that really is you need God's guidance every step of the way, right? Because you have some of some of us have housemates that are difficult. Some of us have we are privileged to have wonderful housemates, right? All of all of those things over time you have to understand the ones you have and how to manage effectively. The, the housemates you have, I, I think very much it's, it still applies to, it doesn't change. I think we're very much taught that all of the things that you acquire as a believer, your character and all of those things still applies. It's just where you apply them, right? Praise God. I think that's mine. Okay. 
Yes, uh, just one of the things I'll just encourage to do. I'm privileged to have in-laws that are, I don't call them in-laws, 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 right? So my mother-in-laws and my dad, mm-hmm. they are pastors. So it's the relationship is different. But one of the things that Pastor, um, Pastor Steve had taught us is that we should have a family culture, right? When you have a family culture, both of you and your wife have agreed on the principles of godly living that will be guiding the home, right? So whatsoever come, whosoever is coming follows that principle and that culture of your own family culture. So when you marry your husband and your wife, you have a family culture, right? So that family culture is what the what is the basis of the relationship. If anybody, whether someone is visiting or someone is calling or someone is, whatever your interaction is, is based on that family culture, right? So that is what helps you and guides you and there won't be, you know, conflict or if they want to get through their boundaries, both of you will agree, right? Agreement is another thing. It's not that the husband is saying this, the other person is saying that's where it, co- it comes to conflict. The moment the husband and the wife agrees, this is mommy, daddy, this is our decision, this is the move we are making, right? They can't cross the two of you. They can't cross the two of you. They have to stay at the boundary of the family culture. So that's what I said. Okay. I, the next one says, other than overcoming sin as a victim, what other requirements are needed before marriage? I think this person. <laughs> anyway, I don't want to say that. <laughs> but I, I will advise and I encourage the person to go back and listen to these teachings again. Right? Because this question is just surprising to me. Because I know that a lot of things have been said. Even the, the recap I did, you could see many, many things inside. But then, sir, just a few words, not many words. You know, you want to separate um, um, overcoming sin away from <laughs> you, you see, you can't overcome sin being a child. Do you understand? You have to be mature. And if you are, you are matured in God, then it means you are learning love. It means you are learning patience. It means, so you cannot separate it. You cannot say, I have overcome sin, then I, have, and I want to add another thing to be successful in marriage doesn't make uh, this because if truly you have overcome sin there is there is it means you have reached a stage of maturity in God you have reached a stage. there are many things we can couple that so all these things that even man of God have uh, uh, I mean recapped all of them can be submerged into you have overcome sin because it's not just like it's overcome sin and another thing you get what I'm trying to say so I, I just like we said, we will recommend that you you go back and um, listen to it again, listen to many many other teachings. You understand that has to do because the essence of it is that because when we say you overcome it, it means you are victorious in your Christian life. That's just what that means. Amen. This one, I believe, uh, this person says, thank you for the teachings. It's been mind-changing and eye-opening. I have a few questions. Number one, how does one know it's time to get married? Number two, how does one prevent marriage from stopping or limiting their service to God? In regards to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 33 to 34. How does one stop marriage from preventing or limiting them from their service to God? The first question says, how does one know it is time to get married? I think we try to handle it in the other questions. First of all, we already talked about the matter of you being victorious over sin, right? And it is upon that that your maturity is is built upon. It's upon that that your love for God is built upon, right? It's upon that it's not, we've talked about the fact that it's not, the maturity we're talking about is not based on age, right? There are a lot of preparations that happens in your life that God prepares you. So it's your maturity in terms of being able to handle a home, being able to love selflessly, right? You'll be able to love self- because you grow in your love work. That is one thing. So if you're able to love, when you get to that point, you're able to love selflessly, you're matured in the in, in God, you're matured in the world. Then other responsibilities, uh, you are able to handle the ones that are within yourself. So you're able to 
like be responsible for yourself right in all respects you're able to keep yourself uh financially stable psychological stable, emotional stable. all those stabilities are there based on the foundation that you have victory in christ right and there are certain uh responsibilities in terms of uh maybe your academics and they are not in stopping your marriage right? they are not changing your marriage then you should start looking towards that right it's not by your age but by the level of growth and the love work that you can express being able to take responsibilities financially and otherwise then you know that you should be looking towards marriage how does it prevent or limit you from serving god when it becomes a goal okay when the marriage becomes a goal rather than god becomes a goal okay yeah. uh, so this is very profound and simple right mm-hmm. when when the when you are living for marriage yes. you know some people they just the only thing that is facilitating or is making them look at life with with joy and anticipation is oh when i will get married the day i get married and that is the only thought that consume their mind they don't even find pleasure in life everything they do is targeted towards marriage then i think is unhealthy number one you're not loving yourself number two you're not even thinking of doing the will of god you're not even thinking of the purpose which is fundamental to why you should get married hallelujah so marriage is not a means to an end marriage is a tool that will help you to fulfill the purpose of god you, you can also uh to 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 help you correct your mindset if your goal is marriage right let your goal be understanding the relationship between Christ and the church through you getting married much more that helps you that guides your mind and your heart like i want to experience how so much Christ loved the church like it's it's what you experience in marriage right because that's your model right so you want to play out your model right that is that is a great motivation amen how does relationship how does relationship align with your purpose of being on earth and the gift from god talking about you know marriage relationship i think yeah okay um praise god so i want to somebody sent me a whatsapp message that maybe the question the first the first person was asking is not just the same now what other preparation after god has helped you to overcome sin and i think those are the things pastor imam mentioned like we definitely financially emotionally all those things we mentioned them so those are the things those are other preparations but we are just talking about what causes main problem in marriages is sin if god can help us to overcome them in their different shapes shapes and sizes and colors then we've actually definitely have overcome the problem of marriage so um then okay then the question is how does relationship align with purpose So be more sincere and clear about the questions you ask. So the, the, the other one that I asked you is about purpose. How does relationship? Yes, thank align? you, sir. Yeah. And before I stop, talk about purpose, another way marriage will not stop our church meeting or our service to God is we have to make sure, especially if you care so much about God, because it, we have different people in church. Some people are really committed to God; they want to do the purpose of God. Why some people they just want to come to church to feel good that oh. At least I'm also part of it. But if you really care about what God thinks and the purpose of God for your life and for the church, then you should marry somebody who also cares about God. That's one way in which marriage will not be a disturbance for your service for God, because the person also understands what purpose is and what service for God is. And um, how then does relationship help our purpose? For God, um, definitely, if we have understood that our life is about God, there's no other life that we have outside of God then we know that even getting married is for God and that's why the bible says two are better than one they receive better reward for their labor so our marriage can help us is that now we are two the assignment is no more on one person the assignment is now on two of us and the children that the lord will give to us to do the assignment as we train them to also continue in their own space in their own assignment praise god so how does how does uh, marriage help us it help us because now two people understand god's purpose who are willing to give god their best are coming together it becomes easier for them when one falls the bible says the other we carry or we help him up it says woe to the person who does not have somebody like that abi 
and there is this when it's three chord, it's even better. You understand? So I'm paraphrasing it so that it can really get down on us. So I think that's that that should answer the question. So who are you declaring war to? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Okay, same in the line of this same puzzle. Uh, sorry, you are fast. You are very foul. Uh, this is your own question. Is it okay for married couples to go to different churches? Please increase the microphone. <laughs> I don't think it's okay for married couples to go to different churches. Um, the reason is that uh, the doctrines in, the, uh, in churches differ slightly from uh, one another. And so it's important that you uh, united, even as you're united in marriage in your faith. So you need to hear or eat from the same thing uh, so that you're able to grow and uh, develop and then pass on the same thing to your children. Mm. Amen. So I don't want to add more to this question. Yeah, you've answered it several times, yeah? It says, when we started the teaching, Pastor Ima, there were approximately five categories of some people that is encountered in in mad. Okay. Okay. Five categories of problems some people encounter in marriage. And one of them is money issue. Can you please give a practical example of how money can be a problem in marriage? Ah. If in the Bible, and how can sin produce financial problem in marriage. <laughs> okay, so I think we need to take it gradually. How money can be a problem, problem an example. An example of problem in marriage. Mm -hmm. And if there is a biblical example. If there's a biblical example, well, I'm not going to think through that now, but I'm going to answer the question. Now, the problem of money in marriage is the same problem you have as money, uh, the same problem we have with money in our normal life. You want to get that? The same problem you have with money in marriage is the same problem you had with money before you got married. That mindset about money, right, is the same mindset that you are brought to marriage that is causing problem. And what is the mindset? The mindset that it belongs to you. The mindset that it was, it's my own. It's my money. It's my resources. You are only but a custodian of money. You get it? Gospel. Money is not even the only resource God is giving you. And if you are, you are so poor that the only thing you see is money. Right? So that is the problem. So when you see that it is my own, right, and you pull everything towards yourself, then it becomes a problem. So it means that any money that you already divided the house like that. So your wife's money and my own money. We don't have that in my house. Right? We have we have <laughs> we have we, we actually have different skills that we do that help us to gain those resources. But when it comes to the table, nobody owns it. Nobody owns it. It belongs to God. We just need to think of how does God want us to spend this money rightly. And that is all. That solves the problem. So the moment you see it as your own, it's a big problem. So break your heart away from the love of money. Yes. Because the Bible says that the love of money, the love of money is the root, right? Yes. When you love money so much, then it becomes a rule. Say, so how can sin produce financial problem in marriage? I think. We have not understood what that sin means. Sin doesn't just mean the practice. Are we together? Because we started from the beginning. It talks about the nature and what you oozes out from. So if all those issues has not been dealt with, so it's just like a word you just use as sin. You understand? But we're not just talking about just one practice there, one practice here. We're talking about the fallen man. You understand? That even when you come to Christ, you have not understood the way of the cross. 
you understand? So all that we are talking about is there. You understand? You are selfish because it's a way the old nature. That's sin. You are you are you are not patient. That is sin. You understand? You are not tolerant. That is sin. So don't look at it as one practice conglomerate. How do you? This is your question, sir. After this one, then we'll go to the... Because these questions here are so much that I I decided to just let go of those that want to ask it directly. But anyway, how do one draw the line between being discreet, that is discretion, and speaking up to other people when they need help? Yes. yes that's discretion, to speak to others. But it's not to everybody. That's why I say one of the greatest things you do to your life is to understand God's system of help. There are some times ago I preached concerning uh, God's helps for us. I talked about his life, his words, his people, that's the church of God, his spirit, are we together? His angels, these are God's systems of help to us. So it's not just one thing, are we together? They, if you read the word very well, you understand that there are some help. You don't just stay say, Holy Spirit. Mm -mm. The way God has programmed in his kingdom is to go to his people. And to his people, not everybody. That's why even in scripture, it, that one said that if you have a problem with your brother, right? And you go to solve the problem, he didn't agree. Where did he say he should go? If you go to the church, he's talking about, I think we read one book like that. Uh, what's that book we read? Don't be offended, you understand? And he has explained to us that the church means the elders of the church. He said, when you are sick, you understand? He said, call who? Call the elders. So there are prescriptions to where to find help in the system of God. So to go to that help is discretion. But the problem we have is that people don't know where to go and find that help. So they go to other things. That is foolishness. That is not discretion. But knowing where God has put your help and going there is discretion. Amen. So there's two hands in that direction. The microphone, I think, should be behind. And one there, right? So there's... Praise God. Yeah. Is it a question or an no, answer? No, I just wanted to add something to the question on money. Okay, okay. okay. That um, Pastor Emma spoke about. Um, okay. Just to have to that issue of how money can be a problem. I think one practical example we saw in the Bible was Ananias and Sapphira, where their love of money literally led to their death, which means when it comes to really problems like money can definitely be a problem in marriage. And it's just one of those other things, just how God has made us um, stewards of everything he has given to us. That's how money should be. So if we're not coming towards you know that knowledge in marriage as stewards of everything that God will be giving to us, then it would definitely cause problems. And it says um, with knowledge, the house is filled with you know precious and pleasant things. So that means without that knowledge of what or how God intends for us to use them, it would continually cause problems. So I just wanted to add that as an example of where money actually caused issues for a couple. Okay. Praise God. Uh, I wanted to add because I, my, I was still stuck. My, I was just still. At, I thank God that she brought it back, and and really where those things I've seen, I've heard stories about a lot of issues that spans out where the man says it's his own. He has desires. He wants. He has things he wants to buy with his own money, and the woman says I own that shop. And and I think one time I was thinking about um, illness, right? Illness, right? Illness starts with an I L double double like I double L and then W, and for you to change illness to wellness, you just need to turn it to a W E. Just take out the I, and put a W. Just take out the W. Just just put just take out the I there and put a W E. What you have is wellness, and most of the times, most of our challenges is when we we want to be doing I me myself I me myself, and that's where there's always a problem. But once individuals tend to shift that. Because as the man said something very powerful, you have always been thinking about how you spend your money by yourself. And then now you have someone in the, in the mix. You have to now learn to work together as a team because it's a team. If you, if you have your money and I have my money, there's a limitation to what my money can get. There's a limitation to what your money can get. 
But once we join our monies together, there's a whole lot we can do. And some of us don't even understand the system. Banking system is a collusion of people's money. Even at the, there's certain things that are local adaption and all those things. People do more with their money when it's together. Praise God. So as a family, and there's different systems. People, uh, husbands and wives decide to have one account and then have sub-accounts where they are able to split these monies into desired percentages and they are able to run a whole lot of things effectively. That's why we say acts about the whole um, um, the whole uh, antenna, those um, spacing and all of this, there are many natural things that you can do. You don't have to go surgery, go down surgery, because some of the surgeries, okay. when you do okay. it, you can't reverse it. Praise God. Amen. Amen. The answer run up to another question. James, I think he was second there. Okay. In, in a word, please, or two. Sorry, Pastor, I wanted to also point out that Money is not all, all about cash only because when we also talk about money, a lot of people think it's also about cash. Okay. You know, we can also get into a relationship where um, maybe the lady or the man, either of them, they have access to very high quality contact, relationship, and all that. And there is okay. this tendency to want to withhold because you are the one who has access to this, even though this would be very beneficial to us as a family, but then you are withholding it from your partner. And these are. Um, levels of money like connection, access and all those levels so that we're not looking at money as just physical cash. Somebody may not have physical cash but they may have access to very quality people that can bring in the money. So it is also your ability to let hold of these things knowing that if I have access to this person, we have access to this person and not withholding it. By so doing you can really utilize every resources available together. Okay. Uh, please, if you have questions just write them down so we can save time, right? I will take James and then the brother over there. Then whatever question you have, just write them down. We're going to answer them. And we may do it online on an Instagram live session, right? If we couldn't finish this because I can see dozens of questions here, but we've not even entered into some of them. So, yes, I'll take James's question and then there was brother here, yes? Then I will see if we can finish some few, then we move on. Yes. All right. Um, since the husband is not supposed to take the place of God in the marriage, right? I wanted to get the idea where Sarah called her husband Lord. I wanted to understand the concepts there. Is it like she was seeing the place of God? Okay, she called Abraham Lord, right? Okay, let's, it's Genesis chapter... First Peter. First Peter? First Peter 3. Okay, he was reporting the... First Peter 3, this is 5, right? Let's behind. I think 5. Okay. Four. Okay. Let's do four. Um, you should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They put their trust in God and accepted the authority of their husbands. For instance, Sarah obeyed her husband, Abraham, and called him her master. You are her her daughters when you do what is right without fear of what your husbands might do. So what that that means is that, one, she accepted the authority of her husband. What is the authority there, as we said in scripture? As the head, you understand? Not God. Remember, remember in that same scripture says she put her trust where? In they God. put her trust where? In God. So you see, it's not talking about Lord God in heaven. Not the Almighty. Not God. the Almighty. But now that word means acceptance. Acceptance of his authority. I think lawyers do that also. In the court, they say, My Lord. It's not they are not trying to say he's the God. You understand? It's just a way of showing that they respect his authority yeah. over them. As in the space of the court. And then if, if, if you're a good student of English, your translation, like this one says, like Sarah who obeyed Abraham 
and called him Lord. The Lord is small letter L. So he's, topo- he's not typing error. If he's a Lord Almighty, most times in scriptures it's capital letter L. Master. Let's assume the the, the meaning. Maybe the no. Because sometimes the the translators of different Bibles put it different, like they can they can say he meaning Jesus, but mm. still leave it in small letters. Okay. But a good way is to read in the context, context so of what know you the say. meaning of yeah. That. This yeah. All right. Good evening, church. Mm. Uh, my question goes like this: I'm reluctant to ask because because said we should not ask stupid questions, yeah. but then at least one or two of meetings that we have on Wednesday. So I'm okay. going to ask, is it the will of God for everyone to get married? I'll tell you where the question is coming from. Okay. Uh, from the definition of marriage that I read, right, I understand that there's a dimension of God you will not fully understand or his will you cannot walk into if you aren't married. right? But then again, you think of well, I don't have names now, but then there are fathers of faith that are reverend fathers in court. Paul, Paul did not marry. Okay, Jesus, Jesus well. himself did not marry. But then the book of Genesis talks about being fruitful and multiplying. Yes. If I'm not quoting it out of context, it's in context. Okay, it's in context. Mm-hmm. All right, that's where my question is coming from. Okay, so that's the only question you have. Yeah, that's it. Okay, who's online? Is it Chili's one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. Okay. This is the kind of question I want to be hearing. Okay. So I I, I think it's a the, you you can be forced. It's a thing of will, right? It's a thing of will. If if you and and for some of us we we like speaking about the question that was asked about when you should marry and how it's you as an individual can't be forced to marry, right? Because once you're forced to marry, you'll be you'll be forced to go through the whole motions and what is required. You really don't have an understanding. But these individuals that we see in the Bible from Jesus Christ, all of them knew what they were doing, right? They had an understanding of what their plans were. And for them, it didn't involve marrying, right? In their own, it didn't involve marrying. And they did what they did and they are done and they are dead. And we have them as examples. Praise God. They are there as examples. So if you want to not marry, follow their own. If you want to now marry, there are examples. I'm, I'm, saying, I'm saying this because I... I, I what, what answer will have? <laughs> okay, okay. Let, 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 let me chip this, right? Because it's very important. When you say, I don't want to marry, why don't you want to marry? No, no, no. I'm not, talk, I'm not asking you to you, right? Many times when people say, I don't want to marry, if you investigate why they don't want to marry, number one, it could be fear. It could be selfishness. And they're not ready. It will be, I'm not ready. It could be many factors. As see, as believers, right? Even our will of of whether I want to marry or not, you know, as Paul will try to encourage him. In scripture he says that it's, it's not it's not the commandment of God, yeah. right? Yeah. It's his counsel is given, right? Even your will as a believer is subject to to God. Are we together? So it will be wise for you to come to a point that you understand God. Do you am I with you calling you upon my life, you know, are you leading me towards the direction of marriage? Why should remain single? Yes. Yes, I want to add this. Yeah. I needed to stand up. All right. So the question I'm going to ask is two or three. Number one, do you want to have sex? Do you want to have children? Those two things are very important. Do you want to have your own biological children? As a believer, there are there is only one way for us to do either of those two. If you want to have your own biological children, it is the provision is in marriage. As a believer, if you want to do the will of God, that's why I always love to put as a believer. Now, it's different from I want to adopt a child. The Bible is not against you adopting a child. We have many Christian leaders who have died, who never got married. They adopted children and they are fine. But if you want to have your own biological child, then there's one provision by God and it is to get married. Because God want, and then, do you want to have sex? Pastor, Pastor Victor stressed this very, very well. For this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and have sex with his wife. So, if you want to experience that dimension of God, of God relating to sex, there is only one permission. You should not. God does not want us to have sex outside of marriage. And Paul reiterated it. He says so that you will not burn. If instead of burning, go get married. 
So, but if you don't want to have sex and you don't want to have your own biological child and you believe that the purpose that is in your hand that God has given to you may um, marriage may be a distraction to it oh it's so big and all it's allowed I mean marriage is not compulsory that's one thing we must all put we can fulfill purpose without getting married we have many church leaders many Christian faith leaders who have fulfilled huge purposes without getting married but then they never had sex and they didn't have their own children those two is very important now somebody is asking can I do IVF or can I do um, all this uh, insemination and spam insemination and all those kind of things right that's a conversation for other day but let me just give a little um, answer see if you want to have a child and you got I and mean, you don't have a disease in your body now we have couples who have issues with get, giving birth to children there's nothing wrong in them doing that because there's a provision in science and that knowledge is brought about God permit knowledge to be searched you understand what I'm saying now there are some things that God will never permit don't worry you think human being will create human being wait it's not it's not going to happen you understand what I'm saying now IVF if you are having issues with my with giving birth to a child you cannot give birth to a child and you want to have a child yes they can receive your husband's sperm collect your own egg whatever way and then give you a child but then it is wrong if you don't have issues right and you are having sex outside of you are having sex with other girls or other women you are and you are not married then you are not doing the will of god so i just wanted to clear that now if you want to have ivf with uh, somebody is also asking can i have a child outside of marriage can't i just i was talking to a guy today he said i just want to have two boys one in Canada, one in the U.S. with <laughs> with different women. I hope now, the person is not in this church. No, he's not in this church okay. now because this we <laughs> because this we also answer some of the questions in our art. It is wrong to have a child. I mean, it is not right. Let me not say it is wrong, but it is not right. It is not. It is not in line with the purpose of God for His church for us to have children after the union of marriage. Why? Because a child needs love. A child needs support not just from the father or the mother but from both of them especially if there is no death or any form of sickness that take either of them away why should we deny see this thing is very passionate in our don't, heart don't go far <laughs> why it's I, very important why do you want the child I, remember i said the children is not for you so once you solve that question you will even be going all those round round round, round. You want okay to so in the u.s there was Canada. a there was a study that was done in the u.s and they, they gathered a lot of young people our age, 16 and above. They asked them all question, what is the one thing they desire so much in their life? Do you know more than 75% of them said a stable home? They want a stable home. And this is what we deny children when we give birth to them outside of wedlock, outside of marriage, and outside of an atmosphere that can give them love and support. Okay. So and then we begin to reiterate that problem. We we what what's it called now? We pro, we compound it because they will also come up. They will take what they've learned from that space and go and give birth to many children all around. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. This is just the beginning of the questions. I believe there are many many here, but let me just say this as a as a as a closure as a close to this session. You know. This is a formula I use for people that come to ask me, I feel like I don't want to marry. I feel like I don't want marriage or me. Eh, you see, I do tell them, number one, it's either you have a problem with growth or maybe you have an experience. Maybe you've seen bad people, bad relationships around and maybe you are, you are selfish. You don't want to, you know, all of, until otherwise, until God say, right, that you are called to singleness, prepare that you are going to marry. Are we together? Because, do you know why? Because if you are young and you are saying, I'm not going to marry, what you do to yourself is that you plan yourself for failure. You're going to come to a place where you discover, your eye will open, you know that this is actually the will of God or this is actually what God will permit you, wants you to do. And then you've not equipped yourself with everything that it takes to prepare. Preparing for marriage is not three months to marriage. It's not six weeks uh, 
seeing pastors, then you are ready for marriage. It's not marriage counseling that makes you ready for marriage. Marriage counseling actually tries to measure your level of preparation. doesn't prepare you. I'm telling you the truth. And I lie not. So there's no any magic that will happen in six weeks to make you ready for marriage. It's a lifetime thing. And you don't need to be thinking of marriage in the next five months before you be praying. We prayed a very serious prayer here. And some of the things I could sense we were praying for, some of us were praying for even our children. But we don't have them yet. Some of them are not even in relationships, but we're praying for our children. So it's very, very key. Until God has said it, right? Prepare for marriage. In fact, when we even we mention of people that have been calling to sin man of God in your life. Since when you were born till now, how many people have you come to know? Right? If you can name five. I've done this many, many times with people. If you can name five people, right, that they've come to a status that they know that God has called them into singleness in church. Five people in your lifetime. Do you know five? Who knows five people? Even half, you're not even sure, right? See, these. How do you reject a brother peacefully? This is one of the questions, and many of them. You know what? Don't miss the Instagram live. Don't miss it. It's going to be all the pastors. I all the pastors will be.